Hi, everybody. I'm Traven Rice, and this is the Lowdown Culture Cast. And we've been talking with uh, culture changers and about culture change in all different facets here on the Lower East Side in New York City. And we're at PT Knitwear um, on Orchard Street. And I'm talking today with Stephen Matrick, who is co founder of the New Colossus Festival, which is coming up. It's an indie music festival based on the Lower East Side here in a bunch of different venues, um, which is really exciting. I want to hear all about it. And Stephen, you're also um, an event producer, a manager, booker, and you have a label. Yes. And you live on the Lower East Side. And I live on the Lower East Side. And how long have you been here? How did the festival get going? Tell me everything. I moved to the Lower East Side in 2003. I was visiting my friend Wendy during the blackout in August. And I had such a good time. I was living in New Jersey at the time, and I, um, I was commuting into Soho from Weehawken. And I moved to the neighborhood in 2003 and have never left. Mm-hmm. I lived on Ludlow Street for a year, and I've lived on Delancey Street for the past 20 years now, which is pretty wild. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was managing a noise rock band called A Place to Bury Strangers, which I still am doing. And the drummer worked at Pianos. And I had been on tour with the band for three years, seeing the world, and realized it was time to settle down a little bit. Three years of touring is a lot. Um, and so Pianos offered me a position as their head talent buyer. And I was the talent buyer there from 2010 to 2019. I met a guy named Mike Bell, who was doing cultural events with different countries, like the Netherlands and Canada. And he would work with the export offices there who have budgets to bring bands to New York to get them exposure in New York City. And we were talking about the week before South by Southwest, people come to New York on their way to Texas. And Mm. it was always very sporadic. You know, you'd go see one band at Baby's All Right, maybe. And then the other three bands on the bill would be locals. And you'd go to maybe see one band at Berlin and the other three bands on the locals. So we talked about how we could consolidate that. At the same time, there was um, CMJ, the College Music Journal's music marathon, and that ended in 2016. So there was a real void in the neighborhood after that. CMJ was amazing, and it made all of the venues around here a lot of revenue. I'm so glad you brought up CMJ. I was dying to ask about what in the world happened. I, my impression is that CMJ overextended itself a bit. They started doing shows at Webster Hall. There were shows at tons of venues in Brooklyn, and it, and I don't know exactly what happened, but I think that had something to do with it. And because of that, we've kept our focus on just this neighborhood. We have eight venues all within walking distance on the Lower East Side. We do get offers to have ad venues in the West Village in Brooklyn all the time. And we're like, no, we just want this to be a very localized um, event. And that is because the music, the indie rock music scene started in the East Village. And then rent got really expensive and it moved down to the Lower East Side. And then rent got really expensive and it moved to Williamsburg. And then rent got really expensive and it moved to Bushwick. And then rent got really expensive and it moved to Ridgewood and Bed-Stuy, where it is now. And it's this migration east, eastward, eastward, eastward. And as a talent buyer in this neighborhood, it started to get harder and harder to book 22-year-old really cool bands in this neighborhood. So one, that's one of the goals of this festival is to bring those bands back to this neighborhood and have them play at these great venues on the Lower East Side and have a good time and kind of every year try to revitalize the music scene in this neighborhood. 
Oh, that makes me really happy to hear that. I mean, it's been just from my perspective, just being in the neighborhood, just like a brutal uh, decade. But I think the worst part, I mean, things were getting harder and harder, as you said, but then the pandemic. Yeah. Came. I mean, I can't even imagine what, uh, I know it was hard for actors and filmmakers, but I mean, just any sort of live performance. And you guys started before that. Is, it's, is that's, that's actually a funny story. We started with, so 2018, we ran a trial event, just one event at Pianos uh, on both floors. And we chose Leo from Canine Records, who was our third partner, to curate that party with us because we used to do CMJ parties every year and he was my favorite person to work with. And he runs a label that signed Grizzly Bear and Chairlift and you know has been around for 20 years now. And he was the perfect partner for us. It balanced us out very well. And so that event went well. And then we did the first one in 2019 and we were like, wow, we can't believe this worked. Like it's, it's incredible. We don't have investors. We, um, we were booking off you know, the bands we know and the bands we find out about and the bands we research. And my contacts with the eight venues, or back then I think it was six venues, you know, I was on panels with all the other talent buyers at Mondo and at some other events, and we kept talking about trying to do something at all the venues in the neighborhood. Um, but then in 2020, our festival was, uh, started the day the pandemic hit. No way. And so we had had over 120 bands fly from all over the world that were here. Oh my goodness. So we couldn't cancel the festival, and the venues were still open. So we were the last live music event in the world, actually. Oh. And every day we had 20 bands, for good reason, cancel and go home. And we had to rebook the festival every morning. And we made it through those five days. Then in 2021, we couldn't have a festival. We came back in 2022. We were hit very hard by Omicron that was flowing at the time. Mm -hmm. And then last year, we actually had our first real shot since the first one. And it went incredibly well. The venues were full of people. The bands had a great time. And the venues now are really behind what we're doing and know mm -hmm. that it's a really good thing for this neighborhood, which is great. And this is definitely going to be our best year ever. We expanded from 120 to 150 bands, and we've found a way to get all the bands two or three shows. That's amazing. So yeah. it's 150 bands, independent bands. Yes. Of different genres. I mean, yes. Um, well, no, actually, it's mostly indie rock bands. Just indie rock. Yeah, that's what say. we listen to, and that's what we book, and that's what we like. There are a couple exceptions, but 145 of them are indie rock bands, I'd say. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's amazing. Over five days, and then at all of these venues. So the venues include Arlene's Grocery, Baker Falls, Berlin, Bowery Electric, Heaven Can Wait, Mercury Lounge, Pianos, and Rockwood. Yes, Rockwood is our newest venue, as is Baker Falls, actually, because it opened this year. Um, yeah, and we, um, we are very excited about the fact that we're eight, at eight venues now. We did do a show at Bowery Ballroom last year, mm -hmm. but a snowstorm hit and it was a bit of a fiasco and we were like, let's just stay at the 150 to 250 cap venue level for now and we can mm -hmm. revisit having a bigger show at the end later. Mm -hmm. I've been worried about Rockwood. Yeah, we, we were actually going to be using three rooms there and now we're just using Rockwood One. But Rockwood One is still open. Luckily. We're very yeah. glad that Rockwood One is still open. We yes. hope that they're hanging in there. We've heard that it's been a little bit of a struggle financially, which is the story in a lot of places these days. And I would I would guess um, after all this time in the business, you've seen a lot of changes. And a lot of I'm just curious, and I'm sure you get this question in different versions of it, but 
how much harder is it now for people to make money making live music than it used to be? Um, I think it's a lot harder, actually. Um, first of all, you know, record sales have declined every year. And so that's no longer a viable source of income. Spotify has completely ruined that side of the business for bands. And on top of that, everything that you do and buy now is 10 times more expensive than it was 20 years ago. And the drinks at bars are really expensive. So the bars have to try and make their rent and have really expensive drinks, but the kids that play in bands can't afford to buy those really expensive drinks. I was recently the talent buyer at Berlin for two years and it was a constant struggle of like, I would book four incredible bands whose friends you know, didn't, couldn't buy a $12 drink and so they'd go to the double down down the street after the show mm -hmm. and then the owners were upset that the that the bar wasn't ringing up enough money so the, it's a constant and i you know i don't completely blame them for that they have to pay their rent right that's how they pay their rent they don't they do not pay their rent off ticket sales right what i mean this is one this is one way of trying to find a creative solution to try to help kind of bring stuff back but i mean what do you see going forward as a model well, you know, there's some really positive things, too. For instance, in the 1990s, Living Color was the only band to break out of New York City. And if you go back and look, you'll have a really hard time finding others. And then in the early 2000s, there was the boom of the AES and the Strokes and Interpol and the Secret Machines and TV on the radio and so on. And since that boom, New York has just been a birthing place for bands that are now touring the world and seeing the world. And that's happening so often now where like a friend's band will suddenly be playing a festival, Pitchfork Paris, or I'm like, wow, they're playing in Paris now. Mm -hmm. um, and so if you want to work hard as a band and you want to play out constantly and, and, and make the band your full-time job, which a lot of people have a hard time doing because they have to have a full-time job to support themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's the key to success of any band is figuring that puzzle out. But if, you're, if you can make great music and you can play as many shows as possible, you can actually get your career off the ground. And I, I just don't think, like 20 years ago, there were only like 10 bands doing that, and now there's 1,000. So mm. that's a really great thing. And that, that has nothing to do with economics. It has to do with the internet exposing people to music in a completely different way. Mm -hmm. um, because media is dying out, and Instagram... And TikTok are now the ways in which people discover music, which is still mind-boggling to me. Is that um, the way you do? No, I, I, uh, I'm, I have all every Friday. All music sends me a list of all the albums that come out, mm -hmm. and I go through them and listen. And it's wild because there's always five artists I love with an album coming out every Friday, which of course shows how difficult it is to succeed these days. As, as you know, I've, wor I've worked as a manager. I've managed about twelve bands now. And release day is always tough, finding the release date that there isn't 10 other bands that are going to, you know, take all the attention away from you. But the flip side of that being great is every Friday there's four incredible albums coming out that I listen to and get into. I make 50-song playlists um, every couple months and send them to my friends oh. to try and get them into some of the music that I like. Mm -hmm. um, I feature some of the bands from the festival on it. Um, and so... I, I did complain about Spotify earlier, but it is a very easy way to discover music. And their recommendation system is really great. If you mm -hmm. listen to a band and love them, right below it'll say you might also like. And mm -hmm. they're usually right about that. Mm -hmm. So how do we balance uh, 
the like trade-off around some like the Spotify's in the world now. Do we, I mean, I don't even do we. You know, we have to buy music, right? We have to buy music. <laughs> and we have to go to shows. Um, that the the worst effect of the pandemic is that people were watching Netflix for two years in their bed, not able to leave their house. Mm-hmm. And and I I saw this as a booker. Um, the number of people going to shows now has decreased. Mm-hmm. And you find that a lot of the people in the audience are in bands. Those people are still going out to shows. But, you know, your average college student is probably might want to go to some frat bar and do Jägermeister shots rather than go see music. So mm-hmm. this festival is a great thing for that. It's going to get people, people always wander in and say, what is this? What is going on here? And I, I always say, just go in and listen to this band and then come back and I'll explain it to you. And they're like, that band was amazing. And I'm like, exactly. We have day parties um, all week that are free and open to the public. Mm, nice. People can just walk in and see them. So it's you and your two friends. It's me and my two friends, Mike and Leo. Mm-hmm. And we do the whole festival ourselves. We have a staff of 12 during the festival to help us at the venues. Mm-hmm. But other until that time, it's really just the three of us doing the whole thing. And it's the three of you going to hear bands all over the world and then kind of getting together and saying, who do we want to invite? It's a whole bunch of different things. We are invited to showcase festivals. I went to Reeperbahn in Hamburg, Germany in September. Mm-hmm. Five of the bands playing this year were I saw at that festival. Uh, Leo goes to Focus Wales and Wales and The Great Escape, which is a, a South by Southwest of England. That happens in May, and he sees tons of bands there. We go to M for Montreal in Montreal. So there's all these showcase festivals and we discover bands at them. And our lineup is actually heavily Canadian and English because we've been invited to showcase festivals in those countries. Okay. And also can- Canadians have the easiest time stopping in New York on their way to Texas. They can drive straight down and then go drive down to Texas. And so the plan is still, this is right before Southwest. It's the week before South by Southwest, yeah. yeah. But I will say in our fifth year, we're, we're, we're becoming a completely separate entity from South by Southwest. We have a ton of bands coming now that are not going to South by Southwest. Believe it or not, New York City is way more affordable than Texas. How so? Um, most people have friends in okay. New York City they can okay. stay with. Nobody has friends in Austin they can <laughs> stay with. They have to rent incredibly expensive hotel rooms. Right. And I love South by Southwest. I went every year for eight years, but we're definitely a separate thing now. And the, for the bands that do like come from Peru and stop in New York on their way to South by, they can buy a ticket to New York and then a ticket home from Austin. And the in-between ticket's only about $150. So you're adding New York on to your South by Southwest trip very cheaply, especially if you have friends here. That's great. Yeah. And I always tell bands that they should have friends. They should be out seeing other bands all the time and making friends. And those type of connections separate the bands that succeed from the bands that just only think their own music is great and only listen to you know, their own band and leave right after they play. And I've seen bands like that constantly. And those bands disappear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very good tips. And your label, um, how recent did you start this label? That was a pandemic thing at the beginning of 2021. Um, so yeah, my main job actually is I'm a Place to Very Strangers manager. Been managing them for 16 years. They're an internationally touring noise rock band who are known as like the best live band on the planet. Once people see them, they played last night at TVI. It was sold out. Super fun show. I also manage a band named Gift who were on our label and I worked so well with them that um, I started managing them as well. But we have 12, we have 13 bands on our label now. We just signed two new ones. The two new ones are Goblin Daycare from Istanbul and Easy Head from Manila, Philippines. 
So we're trying to become oh, wow. more of an international label. Mm -hmm. um, Oliver from A Place Story Strangers and I have a partner named Mitch who's in Berlin and he just opened a Dead Strange record store. So we now have a physical record store in Berlin. That's awesome. We have four punk bands from Berlin that are on the label. They are Dad Animal, which is Mitch's band, Platinbow, The Pleasure Magenta, and Jealous. So it's all very much still alive. It's live all very band. much great live bands. That's what, that's what our label is. And yeah. actually at the festival, we throw a party every year. And last year, all four of those bands from Berlin came and played at Berlin, because mm -hmm. I'm a corny person. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was one of the best shows I've ever seen. It was amazing. And you're throwing a party at this festival this year, too? Yes. So Mitch, our partner in the label, his band Dad Animal was coming, but he learned very quickly that opening up a record store does not allow for a trip to New York at the same time. So he's no longer coming, but we booked a night party, which is Thursday night at Berlin, and a day party, which is Saturday at Pianos, and that's free. And we picked the bands that are playing the festival that kind of fit with our label aesthetic. So they're very punky, very aggressive, and amazing live performers that was the number one quality that we looked for when we booked the two parties and can you talk about a little bit about the name new colossus yes the new colossus is a poem on the statue of liberty by emma lazarus welcoming people to new york and we wanted to to welcome bands from all over the world to new york and um i should say it's a sonnet is there a difference between a sonnet and a poem mm. maybe there's anyway, it's, there's it, more rules for us on it. Yeah, I mean, Mike came up with that. Our logo is the Statue of Liberty-ish. Um, and I, I, love, I love that. I mean, I, it really is about welcoming people to this neighborhood. And people love being in this neighborhood. And most bands of this ilk, when they come to New York now, they're hanging out in, in Bushwick and Ridgewood. They don't, which, and this neighborhood is just way better. <laughs> I know that because I've lived here for 20 years, but I do, I do love the fact that all of these bands get to come. Yeah, I can't agree more. This yeah. I'm very biased as well. I've lived here. Yeah, we have bands from Peru and New Zealand and Australia and Germany and just every, every Singapore and on and on and on. But mostly it's almost all day, every day and night. Well, um, it's Wednesday we start out with kickoff parties at Pianos, Arlene's Grocery, Berlin and Baker Falls. So mm -hmm. we just start with the four venues. And then Thursday through Saturday, it's all eight venues. And then Sunday, we have closing parties just at Pianos and Arlene's Grocery to keep things, everyone's tired by then, yeah. to keep things a little more low key. Um, but those are always my favorite shows because I'm done with the festival and I can relax. Mm -hmm. And we book some of our favorite bands to play on Sunday. Um, so yeah, uh, some of my favorite bands playing are Ducks Limited. They're a band from Toronto. Their new album just came out on Car Park Records, which is a great label out of Chicago. Uh, Prune, who are from Vermont, they are on a label called Exploding in Sound. That's a local Brooklyn label that does mm -hmm. great things. Kukumaris, who are from Nottingham, and I've actually been to Nottingham on tour. I love Nottingham. Mm -hmm. um, Housewife, who are from Montreal. We have a lot of bands from Montreal playing this year. We have a um, M for Montreal, which is a showcase festival like ours, is doing an event at Baker Falls on Wednesday night, and they're doing a bagel off of New York bagels versus Montreal bagels, <laughs> and everyone should come out to that at 5 o'clock on Wednesday. Okay. That's going to kind of kick off the whole festival there. Excellent. Yeah. Great. Okay. That sounds really great. I'm so happy um, that you could pop over. Yeah. And I'm excited, and however we can help um, let people know we're happy to do so, and we're just happy that it's happening and glad to see music coming back and filling up the venues that have been around and are still hanging in there. Yeah. Excellent. Thanks for having me.